Hare Krishna. Today we are reading chapter 10, The Opulence of the Absolute, text number 15. Hare Krishna Prabhuji or Mantiji, please take over the call now. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Uh, <coughs> so, Sharnagata Mataji conducts this Sunday um, discussions on Bhagavad Gita. She is kindly requested Haladar Das Prabhu and me to facilitate this call. So, under Haladar Das Prabhu's guidance, we will begin our Mangalacharan prayers. Today, we will try to cover verses 15 and 16. Uh, they have small purport, so we will divide the reading of the purport between ourselves. Maybe each person can read three or four sentences, uh, since there are few people on the call, and that way everybody gets a chance to read something. So, Haladar uh, Das Prabhu, if you can start us off with the Mangalacharan prayers, and then the recitation of verse 15, we will go through the word by word translation, uh, then the translation of the verse and then the purport. Then again, please guide us through the recitation of verse 16. We will read the purports and then thereafter we will get into the discussions. Hare Krishna. Dhanyavad Prabhuji giving me opportunity to serve you all. Uh, <clears throat> As per your request, so we'll start the Mangalacharan and then we'll do chapter 10, text number 15, and then following the instruction, we will do text 16. <coughs> Mangalacharan Om Avnyantimidandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chaksur Onmelitam Yena Tasme Shri Guruve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bhistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupaha Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Utpadakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamsya Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagaragunatan Vintam Tam Sajivam Radvaitam Savadutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Padan Sagan Lalita Sri Visakanitamscha He Krishna Karuna Sindo Dinabando Jagatpati Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vishvanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priyai Vancha Kalpata Rubyasya Kupasindu Bhivacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gradar Shivasadigora Bhaktavinda Everybody join the Hare Krishna mantra with me. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Nadayanam namaskritya raram chaiva nalottamam devim sarasvatim vyasam tato jayam udirai nasta praishvabhadreshu nityam bhagvata sevaya bhagavati uttama sloke bhaktir bhavati naistaki Hare Krishna. So we'll go text number 15 of the chapter 10. I'll uh, read couple with different way like Sanskrit way and then we'll go uh, English way. Prabhupada has uh, written different, two different way for this. So the wording of the 15, can you hear me all right? Yes, Prabhupada. Thank you. Thank you. Says, English way, it says, Swayam evat manatmanam. Swayam evat manatmanam vittatvam purshottama bhutabhavana bhutesha deva deva jagatpate. Swayam evatmanatmanam vittatvam purushottama bhutabhavana bhutesha deva deva jagatpati. I'll repeat again. Swayam evatmanatmanam vittatvam purushottama bhutabhavana bhutesha deva deva jagatpati. Please try it. Hare Krishna. Swameva Atmanatmanam Vetatvam Purushottama Bhuta Bhavana Bhutesha Deva Deva Jagatpate Very nice. Hare Krishna. Soyam Vatmanatmanam Vetam Tvam Purushottama Bhutabhavana Bhutesha Deva Deva Jagatpate Hare Krishna Hare Krishna, Hare Prasad reading Soyam Vatmanatmanam Vetam Tvam Purushottama Bhutabhavana Bhutesha Deva Deva Jagatpate Hare Krishna Hare Krishna, anybody else on the call who would like to recite the verse? Okay. Swayam evatmanatmanam vetatvam purushottama bhutabhavana bhutesha deva deva jagatpati Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. 
give it now do word for word translation i'll read uh, through that khadadar uh, das prabhu if you can read the translation and then uh, maybe first few lines of the purport and then everybody else can pick up from there in the order of our recitation <coughs> so swayam personally eva certainly atmana by yourself atmanam yourself vetha no tvam you purushottama o greatest of all persons bhuta bhavan o origin of everything bhutesha o lord of everything deva deva o lord of all demigods jagatpati o lord of the entire universe hare krishna the translation by our guru maharaj prabhupad indeed you uh, alone know yourself by your own internal potency o supreme person origin of uh, origin of all lord of all beings god of gods and lords of the universe the purport by prabhupad supreme lord krishna can be known uh, by person who are in their relations with the him through the discharge of devotional service like arjun maharaj and his followers person of uh, demonic or atheistic mentality cannot know krishna hare krishna mental speculation that leads one away from the supreme lord is a serious sin and one who does not know krishna should not try to comment on bhagavad gita bhagavad gita is the statement of krishna and since it is the science of krishna it should be understood from krishna as arjuna understood it it should not be uh, it should not be received from atheistic persons hey krishna is stated in shrimad bhagavatam 1.2.11 vedanti tat tattva vidasa tattvam yaja jnanam advayam va ब्रहेमेति परामेय परामात्मेति भगवान इति सभ्यते सुप्रीम ट्रुथ इज रिलाइज इन थ्री एस्पेक्ट्स एज इम्पर्सनल ब्रह्मन लोकलाइज परमात्मा एंड एट लास्ट एज द सुप्रीम पर्सनैलिटी ऑफ गॉड हेड हरे कृष्ण Hare Krishna. <coughs> Has everybody read through it? Is anybody else on the call who is yet to read through the purport? Okay, then maybe Halada Das Prabhu, you can pick up few more sentences. Sure, sure. Uh, well, she let. Uh, I'll go from the line. the supreme truth is realized in the three aspects as a personal brahman localized parmatma and the, and at last the supreme personality of god so it uh, at the 
last stage of the understanding the absolute truth, one comes to the supreme personality of Godhead. A common man or even a liberated man who has a realized impersonal Brahman or localized Paramatma may not understand God's personality. Such men, therefore, may endeavor to understand the Supreme Person from the verses Bhagavad Gita, which are being spoken by the, this person, Krishna. Sometimes the impersonalists accept Krishna as a Bhagavad, or they accept his authority. Yet, many liberated persons cannot understand the Krishna as a Purushottam. The Supreme Person, therefore Arjuna Maharaj, addressed him as a Purushottam. Yet, one still may not understand that the Krishna is the father of all living entities. Therefore, Arjuna Maharaj addressed him Bhuta Bhavan, and if one comes to know him as the father of all living entities, still one may not know him as a supreme controller. Therefore, he is addressed here as a Bhutesh. Anybody else want to finish, please? Hare Krishna. And even if one knows Krishna as the supreme controller of all living entities, still one may not know that he is the origin of all the demigods. Therefore, he is addressed herein as Devadev, the worshipful god of all demigods. And even if one knows him as the worshipful god of all demigods, one may not know that he is the supreme proprietor of everything. Therefore, he is addressed as Jagatpati. Thus the truth about Krishna is established in this verse by the realization of Arjun and we should follow in the footsteps of Arjun to understand Krishna as he is. Hare Krishna. Very nice. Beautiful. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Mataji. Mataji, are you here on this call for the first time? Have you joined us before? Yes, Sabuji. I have been joining this uh, since around 10 days. Uh, I am really grateful to Shama Rasika Mataji for adding me to this group. Then your name is Mataji, please. Uh, my name is Manika Prabhuji. Oh, Mani. oh Hare Krishna. Very nice. Thank you, Prabhuji. Uh, welcome to this uh, discourses on Srimad Bhagavatam and our discussions on Bhagavad Gita. So, the Sunday calls are more. Uh, participative we all are uh, you know sadhakas we all are trying so this is not a discourse and it's a discussion so please participate Mataji discussions yeah very nice yes I'm very happy to hear from you thank you Prabhuji yes Prabhuji so we can welcome Mataji by chanting our in traditional way, by chanting three times, Hari Bol. Yes, Hari Hari Thank you so much, Prabhuji. Thank you. Thank you. Thank 
वेलकम माताजी मनिका माताजी हरे कृष्णा थैंक यू माताजी हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा सो ड्यूरिंग द लास्ट वीक वी डिस्कस्ड वर्स 14 एंड इट्स रिलेवेंस इन रिलेशन टू द फोर की वर्सेस दैट द लॉर्ड हैज स्पोकन in this chapter so verses 8 to 11 they are very uh, confidential they are considered to be the chatushloki uh, bhagavad gita uh, so after hearing those four shlokas uh, arjuna is overwhelmed by what he's heard previously in verse 9 about the lord and then <clears throat> what he is hearing about his devotees and how the lord and his devotees reciprocate so under that overwhelm feeling <coughs> he then uh, speaks out what the lord has already said uh, so he says if the lord is so merciful so kind so he praises the lord in the uh, shloka before 14 and then uh, he says it is you know if when he is so good he is so merciful he is all uh, uh, you know present everywhere everything's come out of him he is the controller of everything it is in a way you know surprising that because he is so good no one knows him but then maybe it is not surprising because he is so good no one can know him so <clears throat> you know at the end of our Uh, discussions last week haladar das prabhu had asked this question why did arjuna say that vidu devana dana at the end of verse 14 uh, and it was in this mood that arjuna had said it and in that same mood he is continuing that he is saying oh, and you are so great that the devas and the danavas cannot know you only you can know yourself because you are so great so with that feeling he says this words swayam evatmanatmanam vetatvam prashottam and then he uh, you know bestows he showers the lord with uh, lots of adjectives and prabhupad has explained those adjectives so very well so we will go through the description of these words and the adjectives uh, one by one <coughs> and they say that you know the lord is to be praised with his uttam shloka so we are supposed to praise him uh, with the best of words the choicest of words and uh, you know adjectives that we can bestow on him so in some sense if you remember the verses that arjuna is speaking uh, then it might uh, you know Uh, come in handy as a very good prayer uh, when you are overwhelmed these these uh, verses can help you uh, propitiate the lord <coughs> so with that <coughs> this verse again is very sobering verse because right in this verse and the purport of this verse uh, <laughs> prabhupada said that one who does not know krishna should not comment about krishna and should not uh, if he is not even understood bhagavad gita through the disciplic succession <coughs> should not comment on bhagavad gita <coughs> so i am hoping that 
I do not put in any of my thoughts, but I am true to what Prabhupada has written. And under his mercy, uh, we will go through this uh, discussion. So, <clears throat> the Prabhupada basically says, the Supreme Lord can be known by persons who are in relationship with him through the discharge of devotional service. So, how do we know any person and who is the person who knows us the best? So, if we look around in our circles, you will find that there is, you go to office, you go to school, you have a boss, you have a teacher, you have colleagues, you have fellow students, you have friends, you have strangers, then there is family, there is immediate family, all sorts of circles are there around us. So, who knows us the best? Generally, you would think that the person in the family and the most closest members of the family would know you the best. But really, it is all about one who establishes a relation and then invests in that relation. So, if there is a stranger who becomes your friend, who understands you through that friendship, then that relationship gains significance and that friendship gains significance and you will also start to care for him. Similarly, uh, even in family, uh, in uh, familial relationships, you need to invest in that relationship and then, uh, you know, there is that reciprocation that happens. And this is just not limited to friends and uh, family. It can happen even in office environment. So what is the key thing? that there has to be a relationship, but a relationship, how is that formed? Through reciprocation. So you have to invest something, then you get something out of it. You don't invest without, with the feeling of getting something out of it. You do it out of love. The more you have the love, automatically you will know what the other person wants, does not want, uh, what uh, pleases the other person, uh, what uh, does not please the other person, how to behave such that you are always, uh, you know, in favor of that other person. So that is really how you develop relationship. We all develop relationships similarly. So then, how do we develop that relationship with the Lord? So that's a question each one of us as sadhaka devotees have to answer for ourselves and again we are not at a stage where we can even say that we can form a relationship with the Lord. So uh, the best course of action for us here is uh, that uh, we've been given certain directions or as sadhaka devotees we should perform our sadhana and while we can serve the Lord with bhakti, with love, uh, we will automatically know when that relationship is forming once we are at the bhava stage of our <coughs> sadhana and then the bhava stage slowly results into uh, prema stage and then a true relationship with the Lord forms. Until then we are going through the motions and we have to go through the motions to develop that bhakti, to cultivate bhakti in ourselves. Thereafter, uh, you know, uh, Prabhupada then says, <clears throat> mental speculation that leads one away from the Supreme Lord is a serious sin. Now, why is that a sin? 
and what do we even mean by mental speculation? So let's start with atheist scientists, philosophers. They all do not fully know the Lord, but they create their own mental speculation. Perhaps they will build on speculation of someone else and then add to it. But it is all mental speculation. It may be like this, it might be like this. It happened like this, so it may happen like that. It's all speculation. And what comes out of that speculation? Some person may say there is no God. Some person may say, well, how can you even believe in God? Because I can't see him. I can't experiment on him. Uh, I cannot observe anything about it. So how can you say he exists? But it is a stupid thinking. It is illogical. Because in some sense, if you think about it, have they seen their the grandfather of their grandfather? No one can say that they have seen four or five generations in their <coughs> family. But that does not mean that the grandfather's grandfather did not exist. That does not mean that it is not a reality. That does not mean that our genes are influenced by that uh, person in our lineage. So if you start to think like that, just because we cannot observe, we cannot experiment, does not mean that that is a complete refutation or evidence of something not existent. Then similarly there are people who think, oh, okay, there may be God. And in some traditions you will see it, the God, God is depicted as an old person. Again, it's speculation. Why that speculation? Because that person is thinking the world is so old, everything old sees differently from everything that's new, so God must be old. And maybe that is why then some people speculate that, you know, all these things, good and bad things are happening, and if the bad things are happening to good people, it must be because God is losing control. All these things are mental speculation. And these kind of speculations pull people away from God. Now, <clears throat> it's not just that we as humans are subject to these kind of speculations. Even Brahma is subject to that speculation. Now, Brahma, when he woke up, and that's how the Srimad Bhagavatam begins, but he, even in his, his birth, he's taken birth from uh, the Lord, and when he wakes up, in, you know, for a moment he is disillusioned. What, what, what is he supposed to do? And then he is to recreate. And then the Lord tells him to meditate. And then he meditates and then he recreates. So he knows that there is a Lord and he is the one who is enabling Brahmaji to create this universe. So he, he knows that I have the power to create universe, but he has bigger power. Now, this is not even speculation, this is realization. But even out of realization, you can't understand God because it may not be full realization. So Brahma now is thinking that the Lord is supremely powerful, way more powerful than me, must be a bigger entity than me, and then he gets into the Brahma Sammohan Leela, where when he sees Krishna as a child, he is bewildered. Like, how can he be the Supreme Lord? He's playing, he's eating, uh, you know, someone else's uh, pre-tasted food. Uh, that can't be the Lord. I don't do that. And he's bigger than me. So, you know, 
even that kind of speculation to think that you know the Lord can also create a sin and you can offend the Lord in that way. <clears throat> now, what about uh, the gods and the demigods? These people, scientists, philosophers, etc. Why is it a sin and why is it bad? So, okay, you may have offended. So, the Lord does not punish you as such, but based on our actions and reactions, even if they are speculating about the Lord in one way or the other, if their actions are good, they will go to the higher planets and they will go down to the lower planets. Now, you may understand if you go down to the lower planet, uh, that's a bad thing. But why is going up uh, higher to other planets is also bad. It may not be in conventionally understood as sin, but think about it. We live 100 years. The 100 years on higher planets are much longer than the 100 years on this planet. So now we have to go live there, spend so much time. We may have better facilities to still understand Lord, but generally the opulences are better and therefore the possibility that we may get deviated are better. Actually one of the things we should understand and it's very uh, thought-provoking is that in Srimad Bhagavatam, Bali Maharaj actually says that Lord you are so merciful that at least the demons begin to understand you and there is evidence that demons can get elevated to Vaikuntha. You don't bestow such mercy on Devas. So there is a verse like that in his prayers to uh, Vamandev. Now why does Bali Maharaj say that and what is the evidence? So Prahlad Maharaj, his grandfather and Bali Maharaj himself are the evidence that Dhanavas may actually get elevated but Devas, uh, they may or they may not. Uh, there is no direct evidence in Srimad Bhagavatam like that. So, I mean, it's not... Uh, you don't take these words literally as such. All it means is this world can be bewildering. It, we get bewildered by a little opulence. So if you go up in higher planets where there are higher opulences, we may even get more bewildered. So it's better to not get into that uh, mental speculation. And then, uh, you know, this is where I need to be very careful. We all need to be very careful because right thereafter, uh, Prabhupada says, one who does not know Krishna should not try to comment on Bhagavad Gita. So again, uh, I am hoping that how I am presenting these thoughts to you is not my uh, contamination of those things. Here, one of the things we as sadhaka uh, devotees, someone who is undergoing disciplic uh, succession, someone who is uh, you know, performing uh, uh, the sadhana, the way our teachers have told us, we should understand is when we listen to some discourse, that discourse should be like or the person who is providing that discourse or discussion should be like a postman. So in today's world, you understand a postman does not write the message. The postman is simply delivering the message. And in today's world, it is very easy to understand. You would not trust an email that has a virus. Virus is what? Something else has come along with 
the original message. So the same thing. I mean, if we contaminate the Lord's message, it is as bad as a virus that comes with an email. Uh, I mean, it's a uh, today's world example. It's not in any of the scriptures, but we can understand that you know you should not contaminate the original message. Needs to be maintained, and this is so significant, right? When I did not know about ISKCON, I had heard about Bhagavad Gita. I always used to think. Bhagavad Gita as it is, what does that even mean? Now I understand what Bhagavad Gita as it is means. It is as it is, as it was given to Arjuna. And we, when we read it, we should receive it without such contamination of our own mental speculation. And we should hear of discourses, discussions that are also devoid of uh, mental speculation. Now <clears throat> we get into... <coughs> Arjuna's, uh, you know, adjectives that he keeps uh, starts to bestow on the Lord, and the first one is Purushottama. Now, uh, Prabhupada said, uh, and we know from Shastra that uh, the Lord can be known as uh, in three stages: as Brahma, Paramatma, uh, and Bhagwan. And then Prabhupada says, one can get to a state, even an impersonalist can come to a state where. He can understand the Lord as Brahma and maybe even as Paramatma, but not as Bhagwan. Now, what is the significance? So, <coughs> the impersonalist, even Hiranyakashipu is a good example. He, a demon, meditated and came up to the realization of Brahma that there is this entire uh, entirety of creation, Atma is different from uh, all the other Bhuta uh, Tattvas and therefore he wanted to dominate the Bhuta Tattva. He forgot that there is a Paramatma that pervades in every entity and then there is a Bhagwan, a supreme controller who is who is on top of everything. And then, he, of course, uh, when you try to assert that position, uh, you are supposed you are going to face the consequences. So, one may realize the Brahma, uh, you know, the Brahma stage of uh, the Lord's uh, existence, maybe even Paramatma stage, but not as Bhagwan. Now. <clears throat> Why is knowing him as Bhagwan important? Because to a st extent, Brahma state, there is no personal connection with the Lord. In a Paramatma state, again, there is a little bit of connection. But with the Bhagwan state, you realize that there is a person. You realize that the person has uh, likings, dislikings, he's created. He is the supreme controller. I mean, those are other adjectives. But there is a personal connection can be made the moment you think of him as Bhagwan. So in many other situations, you will find that there is no personal connection. It's always the parents. But you do not get to the higher levels of you come to It is important now that Bhagwan is very popular. Now, the next is uh, adjective uh, 
Arjuna uses is he the Bhag and Prabhupada says one may know the Lord as Bhagwan, but Uta <coughs> Bhavan. Now why is he saying so why is Arjuna does not stop just by saying Bhagwan. Why does he then say that you are Bhut Bhavan? Because if he is Bhagwan who has all the six opulences, then we will rever him, we will bow down to him. But as Bhut Bhavan, as the uh, supreme father of uh, or the father of all living beings, where everything is coming out of him we actually create a relationship with him. So he is not someone who is extremely wealthy, extremely powerful, extremely knowledgeable because we feel intimidated. Even in our own small existence, if you are in the presence of uh, say, uh, you know, someone like Ambani or Bill Gates or uh, someone like, uh, you know, very, uh, someone who is considered wise or has lots of, has studied and uh, perhaps mastered a subject in presence of someone who say a very good musician. We feel intimidated. We don't know how to talk to them because they are at a different level. But the moment we understand that the Lord, while He is all of that, He is also someone from whom I have come. I, he is my father, father or mother. Then you have a different relationship with Him. Now, <clears throat> Even if we understand him as Bhut Bhavan, then Arjuna uses another adjective that is of Bhutesha. Now, why does he feel the need for uh, calling the Lord Bhutesha? Because we have parents. I have father, I have mother. But, and so in that sense, maybe they are my Bhut Bhavan. I have come out of them. But are they Bhutesha? Are they supreme controller? No, they are dependent on somebody else. So if you think about it, he is supreme lord, he is Bhut Bhavan and he is also Bhutesha. He controls everything. Now Bhuta word is inclusive of the Panchamahabhutas, so all the material elements. And it is significant because the later on in this chapter, when Arjuna asks to know the Lord and how the Lord pervades, we will know all of that. So he is Bhutesha, he controls and he is uh, uh, proprietor of the Panchamahabhutas, but it also includes the living entities. So in some sense, in certain sense, in certain places you will find that the word Bhuta is also used for living entities. And the colloquial meaning is more about Bhutas, those who have been in the past. but. Generally, the word Bhuta is referred to for the five Panchamahabhutas and then for the living entities. So, he is Bhutesha, he is controller of the, everything that has come from those five Mahatattvas or Bhutas and also from uh, all the living entities. Now, he may be Bhutesha, but then Arjuna says, he, you know, he is Deva Deva. Now, what does that mean? So, he may be supreme controller of all living entities or all matter. Does it mean that he is controller of all the demigods? Because they also control matter. So, we know that Varuna controls water and Agni Deva controls fire. So, what is the distinction between these demigods who are controlling these Bhutas and <coughs> the Supreme Lord? So, then he says, he is Deva Deva. Now, We've heard the word Dev Deva so many times, so many places. What does Dev Deva mean? 
Devadevas, we go to the devas for asking for something. We as in generally the normal population will go to the devas and ask for something. We are in trouble, give me this. We will pray to, you know, even uh, the nine planets, Shani Deva, we will pray for something. Mangal Grab, we will pray for something. So, you know, we go to them when we have troubles. Now, where do the demigods go? He, they go to the Lord. So therefore, he is the Dev Deva. He is the Dev of the Devas. So it's an interesting meaning to understand what Dev Deva means and why that is used as an adjective here by uh, Arjun Maharaj. Now, <clears throat> even though he is Deva Deva, now Devas, we understand they are within our universe. But he then follows up by saying he is Jagatpate. Jagatpate has so much meaning. The word Jagat means creation. Generally it means, uh, you know, the world that is created. It, it also means everything that has fallen down from the eternal world, the Vaikuntha world, into creation. So it is about all the other universes also. And the word Pati has so many meanings in Sanskrit, but <clears throat> the one more relevant to this conversation is he is the controller, he is the lord or the owner of all the universes. And one of the meanings uh, of the word Pati is he is sovereign. He doesn't have to ask anybody for anything. He doesn't have to care about anybody for anything. So in some sense, while he is our father and mother, he, he is our Master. Now, master means he can deal with, so master will generally have a slave or a pet, uh, as in, uh, you know, an animal that they own. Now, the master need not think about the feelings of the animal. He is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. He may feed, he may not feed. That is him. That is his mercy if he feeds and that is up to his right if he doesn't feed and we ought to understand the Lord as being that sovereign he did not act in a certain way he did not act in the way we expect him to act he is completely sovereign so with all these adjectives now Arjuna has understood the Lord in so many different dimensions in which the Lord can be understood. So we are at this stage where we've completed, uh, you know, chapter 15 of uh, the sorry, the 15th verse of chapter 10 of Bhagavad Gita. I will stop my uh, discussions here. I will take any questions or comments, and thereafter we'll quickly go to verse 16. Hare Krishna. Any questions, comments? Uh, Prabhuji, uh, really beautiful explanations for each words are really good. But why Prabhupada has mentioned here that person can know Lord only by bhakti? How? What is that meaning here? It's only by the devotion service. But what it could you explain, elaborate that parts, please? 
Sure, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. <coughs> I'll I'll try to explain. Uh, I am, you know, bhakti is such a deep topic that I may not be fully capable of explaining it. I'll make an attempt. But before I assume that I am the person who has the answer, if anybody else wants to add their uh, thoughts to answer Prabhu's question, uh, please go ahead. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, Dhanvat Pranam. Uh, I think Bhakti is uh, closely related with the attachment and uh, uh, admiring part, uh, the love towards the God. Um, only we, if we have that attachment, admiration, only if we like someone, then only we can get connected to them. Uh, I think that's the main reason because uh, in Bhakti, uh, we don't have any doubts. Uh, same way in the love and affection also uh, we trust them to the most and uh, we feel that uh, we are protected in their shelter and uh, all the other forms uh, have some rituals to be done and some formalities but the bhakti is unconditional and uh, uh, it doesn't have any limits also uh, that's what I feel Prabhuji Hare Krishna Yes, Mataji, so very right. Uh, so, Bhakti, uh, in one place I think Prabhupada has, even in within Bhagavad Gita itself, he has tried to explain devotional service. And basically, what Mataji said is so right. Every other relationship, and we started this discussion by say talking about relationship and how to develop relationship and what kind of relationships we have. So no relationship can, uh, you know, really uh, have any deep meaning if it is just based on uh, commercial dealings. You give me this, I'll give you that. Whether it is, uh, you know, uh, within parent and child, whether it is with the friend and uh, between friends, or whether it is with uh, the boss, you cannot say that there is a relationship. Then the moment they stop paying, we stop working, and that's what you see in the world. People will change jobs like anything. There is no real relationship. They may say that we value you, but <clears throat> the moment their salary stops we will leave. The, the moment their salary increase also does not meet our expectation, we will leave. So that's the kind of relationship that is there, uh, that has uh, give and take. Bhakti is something that is coming purely out of love. There is, it may not be fully blossomed love, the way we understand Prema Bhakti or Bhava Bhakti for the Lord, but there is a semblance of love maybe it is the love that is predominated by respect but you are doing it not because it is asked of you not because your life cannot go on without it but you are doing it because you want to do it and when so why is it that you come to know the Lord with Bhakti because even in our personal relation not because when we have to do it, we do things because we like to do it. We want to do it for the other person. You will see our relationship with that person is so much different. The more you invest into it, so think, you know, the example is, uh, let's say the boy is attracted to the girl. 
so he starts to have a relationship and then he will first uh, just try to see her from far then he will get into the immediate circle of her friends then he will start to have a conversation then they will have multiple conversations just think of really like that that this is how we need to develop our bhakti for the lord let's say that they get married then the wife will do things out of duty but then comes a stage when the wife knows what's in the heart of the husband and before the husband asks or even before the husband thinks he needs something the wife is ready the wife will bring the tea or whatever it is and with that you can truly so how does that happen how do you come to that stage the wife comes to that stage because she has taken time to understand the lord her service is now supreme because she's uh, understood so she could not have understood the husband without putting so much uh, service now it's not devotional service it's still a loving service now with the lord it's devotional service but through that you can come to a state where you will start to do things that you like sorry which he likes you will start to not do things which he does not like or he tells us to stay away from you will then slowly start to do things and be happy doing those things today it may become uh, uh, you know of it's a forced thing we have to get up early in the morning we have to do this we have to do that then we'll start to take interest in it the way the wife starts to take interest in serving the husband and then you will even do things before the lord wants like there is you will really feel it inside your heart that the lord is thinking of something and you will do it you may go into the temple you may even without looking at it you may think that oh the temple needs repairs no one is asking you you will simply give donation so through these kind of you know uh, serving someone without any expectation you actually get to know that person so well why because there is that loving uh, relationship that you are developing with them so it is only through bhakti that a relationship can be formed with the lord and it can be strengthened over and over again and more and more and as you go deeper in bhakti the relationship can become more and more deep and more and more meaningful and this is what the lord was saying that even though under verse 9 you know in chapter 10 verse 9 he says that these are all his magnanimous devotees they are much chitta madgat prana uh, <coughs> they are always thinking and talking about him and yet in verse 10 he says tesham satat yuktanam bhajatam preeti purvakam so they are serving me uh, with love and with devotion to them i give buddhi yogam yenamam upayantite so with that they will come more and more closer to me so there is no end to the lord the lord is uh, limitless there is therefore limitless level of devotion that we can have for him and he keeps giving us that more and more uh, excitement interest and buddhi on how to serve him more and more so that is why only through bhakti you could 
get to this Prabhuji. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. I would like to add one thing. Uh, also, Krishna himself is saying in chapter 11, the universal form, Krishna is himself saying that, My dear Arjun, only by undivided devotional service can I be understood as I am standing before you and can thus be seen directly. Only in this way you can enter into the mysteries of my understanding. So when the Lord himself is say, saying that I can only be understood through bhakti, then we should not have any doubt. The Supreme Personality is saying that. Very nice, Mataji. Beautiful. Yes, Mataji. So, so uh, just one sentence on that. I, I mean, yeah, Bhakti Mama bhi janati, bro. Lord has said, I mean, if you go through every chapter, you will find Bhakti is so uh, important. The Lord does not say, uh, a yogi, uh, uh, you know, the yogi does not uh, fall down. He doesn't say, a karmi doesn't fall down. He says, Name Bhaktiya Pranashyati. So, you know, there, are, there is so much significance behind bhakti. The reason it is so is because you may have a relationship even outside of bhakti, but you will not know the person fully without bhakti. Only through bhakti you will know the person, you will put in efforts to know the person, rather than that facet of the relationship we have. So... Uh, you could have the same relationship. I will have a relationship without bhakti with uh, my boss. I can have the same relationship with Krishna. I can consider Krishna as my boss, but it's not a personal relationship. The personal relationship happens when I try to figure out what kind of family my boss has, what his likes and dislikes are. Similarly, I will try to figure out, oh, so Krishna must have a family. What does he like? What he does not like? How do I serve him better? So that is what bhakti does. It creates that personal relationship and the uh, desire and unending desire to serve more and more. Hare Krishna. We have 10-12 uh, minutes remaining. Uh, chapter uh, Verse 16 is small. Do we want to quickly go through it? I would rather listen more about the bhakti, Prabhu, than uh, going the next uh, verse. It's up to everybody, but that's what I prefer. And and uh, more if anybody can explain about the, how the bhakti is born in somebody's heart. What is that? What is the elements uh, in human body that cause uh, the bhakti is born? You know, it is a. Uh, what is the amazing things that I like to understand from some of these statements? Mataji was explaining what is as bhakti is born and what are the reality of it. It's a, one of the most amazing things uh, anybody can understand out of any shastras, you know, any scriptures. The one of the finest things person can understand how is born in it. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Prabhu, you asked a 
tough question. So since sometimes the teacher asks a question of the student and the students may not have an answer, uh, I am hoping you have uh, inclination and some answer to this. <coughs> because what I can answer is more in theoretical terms, uh, not in practical terms. I'm hoping you already have some understanding because that question itself the fact that the question came to your mind means that you've already thought about it and you have some inkling of an answer there so maybe you can lead us into it Prabhu how do you think how does Bhakti arise well, <laughs> it is a, among the all the shastras among all the study among the all practices we do and you know, uh, in the universal form, even though we have so many uh, writers, scriptures, so many uh, people are so scholar about the descriptions of the Lords and the Sastras and the Slokas and recitations, you know. But my observation goes like, uh, Lord has mentioned, the greatest devotee in this whole universe is considered the Radha Matari, you know, <clears throat> or the, all the eight Sakis or all the Gopis. He didn't put any other names besides that. And they, they never have written any scriptures. They were guided as only by the practical forms, you know. They have proven uh, their uh, bhakta, you know or Bhaktanis, or whatever you call it, but uh, like a Miramata is the present exa example of the present days that uh, Miramata, I don't call Mirabai, I call Miramata, you know, with so much respect and devotion she has presented. And, and the, the example is given like a Vidur Maharaj, you know, which has a such a devotion service, so that's what uh, you know. I like to learn from these hearts. That's how they come. What is the bhakti born? What is the reality of it? And to me, understand it's not easy. It's not easy subjects. It's the really hardest. I would consider that's uh, out of your heart such a things is to come out to know all this you know and I try to I'm trying to develop the senses which is beyond my capacity I think but to my understanding it comes like a, what is merging in something you know which you dissolve yourself so that your existence don't remain there you you want to be merged into that, that mostly no question remains there, and you merge into and you become one. It and that stage is 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 a, such an amazing stage for the bhakti that uh, somehow from uh, so many long many births or so many uh, generations goes through. And this, like a nectar, comes in your hearts. That uh, this is it. This is what I want to know. 
that nothing belongs to me, nothing is mine, and this is all I want to know. There is a, it is not easy to gain, but first of all, try to understand and merge into to, to Bhakti Bhav. There's a, no question remains there. I, I'm trying to, I cannot explain, I don't have words like uh, to explain it, but uh, still I like to listen from other devotees, Prabhu, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Prabhuji, I would like to say something. Please, please, Mataji. The Bhakti, Prahlad Maharaj, he is a very pure devotee of Krishna. And he says in the seventh canto of Bhagavatam that hearing about Krishna's transcendental name, his form, his characteristics, his pastimes, and hearing and chanting about Krishna and his pastimes, remembering him and his pastimes, serving the lotus feet of the Lord, to respectfully offer service to the Lord, to offer prayers to the Lord, to become his servant, to consider the Lord one's best friend and to offer him everything. These are the nine limbs of pure devotional service. And if you do any of these, it's not that just bhakti is born. You can even realize yourself, your eternal relationship with Krishna by following these nine limbs of bhakti, by practicing them. So for each one, if you want to uh, know about each limb, of devotional service, then uh, you need to go into Bhagavatam and read the seventh canto. Like Maharaj Parikshit, he had only seven days left. He knew that he's going to die in seven days. So he heard Srimad Bhagavatam for seven days and at the end of the seventh day, he realized himself and he was liberated. So hearing is one of the limbs of Bhakti, Shravana. Then chanting, Shugadev Goswami, he spoke uh, Bhagavatam to Maharaj Parikshit. So even he was a liberated soul. Then uh, remembering Prahlad Maharaj, he never forget, he never forgot Krishna despite constant to- uh, tortures from his father Hiranyakashipu. So he, he realized Krishna by remembering him always, Vishnu Smaranam. So like that we have nine limbs, nine processes of bhakti and if you do that, then bhakti is born in your heart. And it's not just born, if you keep on doing that, you will, uh, in the association of devotees, you will, uh, you can also realize your eternal relationship with Krishna. It's like that. And uh, the second thing you were talking about, merging into the Supreme, merging into becoming one with the God, this is an impersonalist theory. We don't, Bhakti Yoga is not impersonalism. Uh, it, impersonalism means that God doesn't have a form. But God has a form. He has two limbs. He has uh, two hands to feed. He can talk. He can eat prasadam. He can do everything. So that's like a, we have a personal relationship with him. Can we have a personal relationship with someone who is just uh, formless? No. It's, he's, he's a person. And that is the topmost realization of God as supreme personality of Godhead. Where he's personally present and he's uh, associating with his uh, and sharing loving relationships with his devotees. So this is impersonalism, thinking that merging into the supreme and becoming one with him. So this is not uh, bhakti. 
So this is the first, God can be realized in three aspects. First is Brahman, which you were talking about, impersonalism. Then second is Paramatma. And third is, and the topmost, is he, he can be realized as Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that is what Bhakti Yoga is, and it is topmost. Uh, realizing Krishna as he is, as Bhagavan Swayam. So if you want to read more, you can read Srimad Bhagavatam, 7th Canto, and hear what uh, Prahlad Maharaj is saying about uh, these nine processes of bhakti. I hope Prabhuji, I could say something about, some clarify or doubt to some extent. Very nice, Mataji. Beautiful explanation. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you so much, Mataji. Very nice explanation. And Mikas Prabhu and Haradha Prabhu. So, you was asking, where does Bhakti born? So, Bhakti is, uh, I would like to share something. Uh, Bhakti is in everyone's heart. Uh, only we have to uh, we have to be uh, thoughtful of this. Should it Bhakti Lata Beach? the new girl and boy then when they meet they try to do whatever each other likes so and they try to make them happy so but we came into contact of devotees and with the help of Srila Prabhupada books and the process of Krishna consciousness we started, we are trying to nourish our Bhakti Lata Beach with Harinam chanting and how Mataji said nine process of Bhakti. So that is our choice to enrich or nourish our soul or Bhakti Lata Beach where it goes. So that's uh, that one point I wanted to uh, share Prabhuji. Hare Krishna. Very nice Mataji, thank you. Mataji, uh, Manika Mataji, my meaning of merging is not the uh, impersonal way, but merging into thoughts, you know, merging into thoughts of the Lord Krishna. And His existence in the forms of the Bhagwan is there, yes. But to merging my meanings are not impersonal way, Mataji. Hare Krishna. Okay, Prabhuji. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Very nice explanation. I'm learning every time on the Sunday lectures, I learn so much of, out of all of you. Hare Krishna. Prabhuji, you are so senior. We are learning from you, Prabhuji. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Prabhu, I think uh, your question was, how does bhakti arise? Uh, did I... Uh, I'm assuming that was also part of your question. Was that correct, Prabhu? Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. It is. I mean, after all these procedures, you know, after all these efforts, after all this listening, you know, one individual has to do it themselves. Bhakti is only as individuals. We cannot borrow, I mean, we can learn it by seeing or copying or understanding 
but a rising part is the most important of it. Or oh, that is the biggest gain, biggest things uh, in a human life. I consider that's what I I I mean to I understand. It is so deep, so deep down that from all your body shells, you know, words growing. What happenings? If it's it's. Out of relearning all this Bhagavad Gita, but listening, practicing, doing this, doing that, all the procedures shown by the Guru Maharajis, uh, that is a very important part. I like to listen and understand as well from other people's view, because a lot of everybody carrying their own loads, and we traveling in this journey. And we are fortunate to meet and understanding these uh, scriptures. So, sorry. Prabhu, your question is so deep that I don't know where to begin and where to end. I'll try to keep it brief. If we really understand our constitutional position, we are all parts and parcels of Krishna and we are supposed to serve Krishna. We are servants of Krishna, eternal servants of Krishna. So that is our actual position. And so therefore, what is the Swarup Lakshan? So that is our Swarup. Our Swarup is we are eternal servants of Krishna. So what is Swarup Lakshan? That Swarup Lakshan is Bhakti. It is a, uh, how do I put it? It is, it is a symptom of the soul. It is the, the soul has to do it. It's its natural propensity. It's its natural duty. So that bhakti is there, but now that we are in this world, it is covered. It is covered by so many things that to a point that in chapter 7, uh, you know, <coughs> Krishna says uh, in verse 15 that those dushkritis, they will never come to me. Then he talks about those who concoct. So there is a verse I am unable to recall it. He says, uh, you know, it includes the words Bauda uh, So he says that there are others who will think of me. First of all, they will think that they themselves are Lord, uh, God. So they will think of themselves as God. Then they will think of uh, something else as God. Then they will concoct some ideas and create some shapes and forms for God. So Prabhupada says these are the four Dushkritis are the lowest forms of uh, creatures. Then on top of them are these people who think they are God, who find God in something else, or they will find the universal form of God and pray to that. And then there are the Sukritis who out of, uh, you know, even a uh, lot of distress, etc. will come to the Lord. Now, this is just a process of giving up matter and coming to the Lord. This is still not bhakti, but a little bit of when they come to and start to think of Krishna, a little bit of Shraddha has come up. So then the Shastras, Rupa Goswami, you know, no other tradition has looked into bhakti so much and no one, uh, at least I know in my small thinking, Rupa Goswami has put in so much, uh, you know, his personal realization and he's written so much about bhakti. So then he says that there are nine stages 
from where you can your bhakti can begin to where it ends up being prema bhakti and then in those nine stages the first is a little bit of shraddha it, you have to have that shraddha so when you think of the verse 16 from chapter 7 those four people who are approaching krishna have a little bit of shraddha those three people who are thinking at least that there is God, maybe they are God, maybe there is some shape or form of God, or maybe they think of the universal form of God. All of that has created a little bit of Radha in something other than matter. And from that point, then there are nine stages. That Shraddha slowly leads to Sadhu Sangha, that is association of devotees. If they get into the association of and every point here it can die right there so that shraddha may melt away if they don't it is not supported by sadhu sangha which is what we are doing that sadhu sangha will generate even if it is not out of true feelings or love it will generate bhajan kriya the more you do bhajan kriya slowly slowly your attachment to matter will die and your attachment to spirit will grow. So that re results in anartha nivritti. As anartha nivritti happens, the sinful reactions slow down and your life itself becomes more and more pure. So you are able to concentrate more and more. So this is again, you know, different levels of, in a way, uh, you can think of bhakti. And then steadiness comes into our uh, prayers because you know sinful reaction is not there material you know mental disturbances are not there you you now become steady in your devotional service from there slowly now you get into the bhava bhakti so this was all sadhana bhakti up till now then it gets into bhava bhakti where you generate taste and you will do it because you like it you miss it if you don't do it then you get attached to it you actually start to think, oh, this is not good, I have missed, I, I cannot do this. You will give up everything and come back and do it. So even if you miss something, that attachment is so strong that even if there is something very important, material stuff you have to do, you will give up that and you will do, uh, complete your bhakti or whatever uh, bhakti process you are going to do. And then the bhava stage comes in and then there is the prema stage. So these are the nine stages of coming up to the prema stage. And what Mataji was describing are the processes. So you may take one of the processes. So even at the Shraddha stage, uh, Sadhu Sangha stage, you may take chanting, you may take uh, listening to Sankirtan, you may uh, take to Smaranam, so all of those are processes that you can adopt in any of these nine stages and generally you don't have to i mean they say that you shouldn't take it's like we are like a small child a small child has two legs and it still cannot walk first it actually crawls on the whole body then it uh, walks on his two hands and legs he crawls and then when he is standing yet he cannot stand so he needs a walker the walker also has to have four wheels so basically what i'm saying is in the early stages of sadhana bhakti you should 
you may not just take one process you should actually take three or four processes so you in that sense there should be uh, archanam vandanam uh, should also happen and we do it right that's why our spiritual acharyas tell us that you should do archanam and vandanam even though shravanam and kirtanam is so important because they all feel assisted it's like you are trying to mataji use the word we have the beej that beej slowly fructifies but when it fructifies that small plant needs support these four five processes if you just follow one process again it is good uh, if you are so strong with it but the way i think i am a poor child so i need support so i will need a walker so i will need four or five things so these four five things different processes will help that bhakti lata become more and more stronger and then you will come to the stage of uttam bhakti so these are various stages so it's not like bhakti is one and all and it's done there are stages within bhakti and what is uttam bhakti so again rupa goswami gives us that definition he says anya vilashita shunyam so now you are not worried about anything there is no desire there is no want out of it it's completely zeroed jnana karmaadi anavritam so it is even uh, not covered by jnana you are not doing because of jnana you are not thinking like jnana jnana can be so the way brahma got disorientated because of his jnana this is anavritam it is taken off it is simply out of your loving devotion that you are doing it anukulena krishna anushilanam and shilanam means cultivation you have to cultivate it then you will have uttam bhakti bhakti ruttama so that is how i understand prabhu that it is in everybody including inanimate objects who have no consciousness including in animals who have some consciousness then in human beings who are not thinking of god the four dushkritis including in the uh, three uh, people who think of god or at least have started to see god and see something beyond matter then bhakti is more pronounced in the four sukritis then there are those nine stages of bhakti and that is how uh, we should understand and we should see which stage we are in how to keep progressing further and further so you know if you find time read through the nine stages of bhakti you can see what to do to get to the next stage of bhakti hari krishna hari krishna prabhu ji uh, also there's one verse in chaitanya charitamrita and it says brahmanda brahmite kona bhagyavan jeeva guru krishna prasade pai bhakti lata bija so it means that by the causeless mercy of guru and krishna a devotee a sadhak can receive the seed of bhakti yes, so right. and this seed of bhakti means the desire to uh, serve krishna and how will this desire manifest in the heart it manifests by hearing hari katha from guru and bona fide vaishnavas thank you prabhu ji thank you mataji yes, this is such a important point hari krishna hari krishna very very nice and i am very 
thankful to all the discussion. Really, I appreciate. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Prabhu, sometimes I think that, you know, you are like the teacher who is asking questions to, to the students because sometimes just by answering the question, the student's understanding of the subject gets better. <laughs> yes, learning procedure never ending, Prabhu, you know. It's a learning every day, every minute, and listening from the beautiful hearts like you and other devotees, that is a reality I enjoy really. You know, but it's a different hearts. We all traveling. We don't know by looking age, by physical age. We don't. We're not considered the soul traveling in this universe. You know, and learning and getting opportunity to listen them is a I count as biggest benefit of gathering like this. Hare Krishna. Yes, Prabhu Hare Krishna, and I'm sorry, devotees, I've taken a lot of speaking time. Uh, it's 8.45. Uh, if there are questions, comments, I have not heard reflections from any other devotees on the call, so please, uh, uh, you know, uh, reflect on whatever you are thinking, and if not, we can uh, close the call also. Up to everybody. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Okay, so we will close the call then uh, with our uh, prayers to the Vaishnavas. Vancha Kalpatrubhyasya Kritas Hindu Bhyavacha Vaishnavya Kritas Anand Koti Vaishnavya Kritas